Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. I am excited for today because we are going to wrap up a sermon series that we have been in here for the last few weeks called Breaking Free. And as we've been talking about this series, this week I was reminded of this situation I had when I was in middle school. My parents signed me up for strength and conditioning, which I'm not sure what what they were trying to tell me when they did that. But they signed me up, and the conditioning part went really well. It went awesome. I crushed everybody. The strength part? Let's just say I haven't gotten a whole lot bigger since middle school, okay? It was one of those things where I, I, I was never ready to get at the strength part, but the conditioning part, I loved. And this one day, I vividly remember we were doing some resistance training. So what you would do is you had to find somebody bigger than you who was attached to a harness with a bungee cord in the front of it. All right, And then what you do is you start and you take off and you run as hard as you can. And as soon as that, that bungee gets tight, the person behind you kind of slowly walks behind you and adds resistance. I remembered that this week because I remember for the first part, I was like crushing it. And the first time of not doing this, I didn't even tell this to the first service. I was already, I'm a fast guy. So I come off the line and I sprint and whew, As soon as that bungee tightens up and the kid that's about twice my weight behind me doesn't move with me, I literally almost end up on my rear end. But I didn't know it because at the same time, I didn't know it was going to be that much resistance. I didn't know all these things that go with it. But I realized in that moment that resistance is one of those things you don't feel at first until all of a sudden you feel it in a big way. And I was reminded of that because in this sermon series we've been doing, we've been talking about all the different things that hold us back in life. These things that keep us from stepping into the life, stepping into the the emotions that we're after, stepping into the very things that we want. There are these things that hold us back, just like that resistance band. And we've been talking all about them for weeks. We've been talking about how sometimes our mental thought patterns or the, the, the worry or or the, the past mistakes that we've had in our life and this, this agonizing regret that we have can hold us back. Pastor Riley did a great job explaining that. We've talked about how this need to be in control can hold us back. When you feel like you need to control everything, it can just make you feel like you're in this prison of not being able to control your life. We talked about breaking free from the hustle and how so often in life we're so busy that we can't just enjoy the things that God has put into our life. And so as we talk about this concept of breaking free and finding that freedom and finding joy and fulfillment and purpose, I think it's only prudent that we talk about the one that we can't not acknowledge. The one that's probably the least favorite to talk about, but the one that does carry probably the most weight. And we look at it in Romans chapter 7. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. 
I love this passage of scripture because it's so raw and honest. I guess I get tongue-tied when he goes into all the I do's, I do's, I do's. It sounds like a very elongated wedding. But what he's explaining in this text is this man named Paul is saying, the things that I so desperately wish I could do, the things that I want to do, I don't. And the things that I really don't want to be doing, the things I know I shouldn't be doing, the things I'm trying to get away of, those are the things I keep on doing over and over and over again. And to be clear, he's not talking about how, you know, you started the 90 days to six-pack abs and five days later you quit. Or he's not talking about how I really wish I should spend more time outside and being active, but I decided to binge the Brady Bunch for two days straight. Brady Bunch, that was a pull, wasn't it, right? You like that? You like that? But basically what he's talking about in this is sin and how we have this sin in us. And the thing that we don't always put on a church t-shirt, the thing that's not always super fun to talk about is this little line in verse 17 and 18 where it says, It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me that is in my sinful nature. That's fun to talk about, right? Like, there's, there's not any good that dwells in me in my sinful nature. Like, it's a very self-deprecating reality that Paul is talking about right here. And it's something that's not fun to talk about, right? Because we live in a day and an age, we live in a society where self-improvement is on the rise, which is awesome and great. But the philosophy that carries that is you got to minimize and hide and, and not show your weaknesses, but instead enhance your strengths, what you're good at. You know, don't worry about that stuff. Let's just focus on this stuff up here. And there's actually a lot of merit to that. But the problem is if we don't acknowledge the things that hold us back, we will never truly be free. The thing that I'm talking about today is something that's not fun to talk about. No, but it is that very concept that, you know what? If that person that was, I was dragging along with that resistance band, if he stayed with me all day long, every day, I could still run, but I wouldn't be running free. I won't be running exactly how I want to be. And so let's talk about being free for a second, okay? And in order to get there, we need to talk about things that are going to hold us back. And so today, I'm going to put on my teacher hat for a little bit, and then I'm going to put on my preacher hat at the end, because I want you to, this to be something you take out of this place and feel free as you walk out the door. So what is Paul talking about in Romans chapter 7? He mentioned this idea called the sinful nature. Let me break that down for a second. In Romans chapter 5, two chapters before, he talks about how sin entered the world through one man named Adam. Adam and Eve, back in the Garden of Eden, they introduced sin into the world. And as a result, they passed on this sinful desire to their kids and their kids to their kids. And so what that basically means is that human beings, because of what Adam and Eve did, were born with this bend of sin inside of us. And everybody's bend is differently. For some people, their bend is anger. And it's one of those things where they can fly off the handle at a moment's notice. Maybe it's a small thing. Maybe it's a big thing. But it can leave just some some 
ramifications that come out as a result of it, as a result of anger. For some of it's an addictive tendency to a chemical, to a bottle, to a relationship, to a computer screen, what have you. We get these addictive tendencies where we can't possibly shake this need to continue to go back to this thing that we don't want to. For some, it's burning jealousy, and I don't like what I have, but I'm going to look and burn for what that person has. Some people have a bend to stir the tea and deceive and to lie and to gossip, and I'm going to be honest, I don't have to draw you a roadmap. Because I think all of us are aware that there are these things inside of us that we maybe know aren't the best for us, that maybe aren't exactly what God wants for us, and we can sit there and feel like we have this nagging thing behind us all of the time. And God wants us to be free from that. He wants us to be free from this hold that sin and our sinful nature has on us. And what I love that Paul does here is he talks about it being a war. A war of the sinful nature inside of us. I really want to do good. I want to stop doing this. My heart is beating to go down this path, but the lure and the temptation of my sin is trying to pull me back this way. So no matter how far I try and move this way, this war is happening as I try to pull to, from what I want to do versus what I know I shouldn't. And it is this war. It's a very warlike language. And what results is this horrific bondage that we have. And it's not just on this planet and this time right now. It's also for eternity. What the sinful nature mean, everybody, is that if we are going to, one day when we pass, I truly believe all of us will come face to face to God with God. It's in the Bible. I believe that. We're all going to come face to face with him. And at the end of our life, when we come face to face with him, there isn't this elegant fulcrum level scale up in heaven where you have your good deeds and your bad deeds. And if your good outweighs your bad, you're in. And if it's not, you're out. What matters is do you believe in Jesus? That's what the the, the test is. Because in order to have heaven, you need to be holy. Holy means unblemished and pure. No mistakes, period. God is a holy being, so to be in his presence, you need to be holy. So to not is incompatible with who God is. It's like trying to drive a Ford truck with a Chevy key. It doesn't work. So what happens is we have this sin that we were born with, that we got so loving, we got passed on to from Adam and Eve. We were born with this propensity to sin, so what God did He sent his son, Jesus, to take our place. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But what I want to address here, everybody, this morning, is as we talk about sin, I want to make something very, very clear. You will never be good enough to earn God's love. But you will never be bad enough to lose it. See that difference? You will never do enough good things to earn God's love because he gave it to you. But no amount of sin and repeated mistake is ever going to disqualify you from how much he loves you. I grew up in church in a context where they told me over and over and over again, you know what? Sin is bad. Sin is bad. Sin is bad. If you do that, sin. You do that, sin. You do that, sin. You swear that, sin. Sin, 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 sin. And as a kid, you're like, man, I got a lot of sins. But that's where the conversation stopped. Don't sin as if it was that easy. 
But this morning, I want to continue the conversation. Because, yes, we have sin, but I believe that we also have an opportunity for freedom. So can we break free today? I want to break free and live out the life that God's called us to live. I want to break free and live a life that is fulfilling, live a life that is amazing, live a life that is super, super great. I want to live a life that is super, super awesome. In order to break free, we need to talk about this very thing. The African Impala. I don't know if anyone knows anything about African Impalas. I sure don't, uh, outside of this one thing. They're like small deer with some sweet horns, very, very tall horns. But the African Impala is smaller than a white-tailed deer, stands about this tall. But as small as they are, they can jump really, really well. They can jump 10 feet high in the air from standing, almost as tall as Riley. Riley's got an insane vertical. Also, they can jump 30 feet distance-wise, so they are very, very gifted Jumpers, but what's so fascinating is if you were to go to an exotic African style zoo, in the enclosure of these impalas, you would have five foot fences that are solid cement. Can't see through them, but they're five feet tall. Now, a lot of us would probably be sitting here going, as mathematicians that I am, okay, if they can jump 10 feet tall, why do they have a five foot fence? They can jump 10 feet, maybe an 11-foot fence would make more sense. But what's so interesting is an Impala will not jump unless it can see where it's landing. It will not jump somewhere where it doesn't know for sure it lands on good ground. So even though it has the ability to jump over the fence, it doesn't because it doesn't know what's on the other side. It has the ability to jump to its own freedom and get out and be done. But because of what stands in front of it, it doesn't think it can do it. I believe there are so many of us that have the ability to be free from the things that we don't want to be bound by. I believe so many of us have the ability to step into something that God's called us to do, but the five-foot wall in front of us, the sin, the bondage, the the not feeling good enough, the not feeling that we can do this, it hinders and holds us back because we don't know what's on the other side. But this morning, I believe we can break free and step into that with confidence and conviction. So to break free, step number one, we got to acknowledge that we have sin. The Apostle Paul, the author who wrote Romans chapter 7, he says, I don't do what I wish I did, so on and so forth. This dude, in terms of religious pedigree, was solid. The Apostle Paul, he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was born in the nation of Israel, so he was a purebred Hebrew Jew. The people that God loved and cared about and prophesied about. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, which is like the best tribe where the best leaders come out of. He was a Pharisee, so he was smart. He was capable. He knew the Old Testament scriptures forward, backward, sideways, upside down, inside out. If you want to talk about the poster child of religious good guy, Paul. And at the time he wrote this, he was a pastor, he was a leader, he was an evangelist. His life mission was telling people about Jesus. Yet we see in Romans chapter 7, he said, I don't do what I ought to do. And the thing I don't want to do, I do. 
he acknowledged that he had sin. He did it over and over again. In 1 Timothy, I don't have this on the screen for you, but listen to this. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. I'm the worst. This was a good guy, but he levels the playing field when he basically says, I sin too. He says earlier in the book of Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. King David, a man after God's own heart, he slept with another man's wife. He tried to cover it up, and when the cover-up didn't work, he had him murdered. Oops. Moses, he killed a man early in his ministry, and he failed to lead Israel faithfully and do what God called him to do. Oops. Peter denied Christ three times after cutting a guy's ear off. Thomas doubted Christ even when Christ stood before him in the flesh. He said, I'm not going to believe in you unless you take my fingers and put them in your sides, which, first of all, gross. But the prodigal son had everything, but he turned away from it. Rahab was a prostitute. Paul himself persecuted the church, put people in prison. My point in saying this, everybody, is the most amazing people, the people that God loves, the people that God uses, still sin. They're human. They make mistakes. So if we want to break free, if we want to experience God in his fullest sense, we have to acknowledge the very fact that we too have sin. We do. We make mistakes. There are things that we do that we're not proud of. There are things that we wish we didn't do that we do, but it is part of who we are. And until we acknowledge it, we're never going to get past it. Until we acknowledge that there are things inside of us that maybe aren't right, we will never truly learn from it. So we got to acknowledge it. Step two, got to confess. First John chapter one, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. If we want to get out from the weight of sin, we have to confess that we sinned in the first place. It's not fun, okay? It's not. It's not confessing a mistake to anybody, right? It's not fun when, hey, babe, did you set out the turkey for dinner tonight? Nope. I was too busy playing Xbox. That's not super fun, right? And that's something minor, but it's even less fun. When there are things and you have to confess, hey, I haven't been true to you. Hey, I've been hiding this closet addiction for a while, but. It's gotten out of control. Hey, um, yeah, I, uh, I got into some, some issues financially because there are some things you don't know about. Yeah, sorry, I made a mistake, and I did things that I'm not proud of. We have these things, and confessing them to people that we love is hard. But in sometimes it's even more tough confessing it to the Lord. God, I screwed up. Nobody else knows about this, but you do. I'm sorry. That's a tough, tough thing to get to. It's how David, King David, I mentioned, it started off with one thing, but the hidden nature of his sin created more and more of turmoil as he tried to hide it more and more and more. Confession is not fun, but confession leads to freedom. 
He goes, and you confess with your mouth, hey, I made a mistake. Jesus can come in and heal it. It's why he died on the cross. Because we can never be holy in ourselves. We're going to make mistakes. But when he died on the cross, he took your sin and my sin, the sin we did yesterday, the sin we're going to do tomorrow. He took all of it and he nailed it to the cross. So that when we want to be holy again, we want to be pure, when we want to be good again, all we have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me. And he gives us a fresh start. We don't deserve it, but he gave it anyway. We have to confess our sin. And here's the good news. It's available to all. Riley, I'm going to have you come back up here. I sprung this on Riley uh, last service, and it got a little funny after a while. But as he comes up here, I want to read this, this story to you. Luke chapter 8. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him, him being Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they had all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out for me. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Okay. Let's break this down because this is such a cool story. You guys ever been to the state fair on like Sunday before Labor Day? It's insane. It's crazy. There are people everywhere. You're like this to strangers that you don't know. And let me tell you, the smells are terrible. You have greasy food that exits its way through the body. You have BO. You have the combination of fried pickles and fried Oreos and this weird aroma sifting through the air. And it's hot and it's crazy and it's dusty. But it's fun. We love it, right? No, nobody does, right? But you just go because that's what everybody does. But I wanted to paint this picture because there gets to the point when you're at the state fair and you kind of come down, you know, one of the hills and you just see the, the road swimming with people, right? The kind of swimming that it's like you were literally are this close to people all the time and it is not comfortable. I want you to picture that when we read Luke chapter 8. Because it said in the story that they were around him to the point where they were almost crushing him. One of the other translations of the Bible says it was like he was thronged, which basically means he was suffocated almost to the point of death. So Jesus is trying, he's on his way to heal somebody's daughter who's really sick. So Jesus is trying to make his way to this town, and he has people who know who he is, who knows he can heal, who does all these things, and he has this absolute posse of people that are surrounding him and literally all up on him to where he is suffocating. Thank you. Appreciate you. After rubbing against him for like five minutes in the first service, I was like, we can't do that again. That was weird. But you get the picture. Here's what's so cool about the story to me. 
Jesus literally has hundreds, if not probably thousands of people around him in this massive blob of people as he's moving from this place to this place, and he's got stuff to do. When here's this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. We read this story, and it doesn't always hit us like this, but I want you to picture this. 12 years from the moment your kids go into kindergarten on their first day until they walk across the stage for graduation, that's how long this woman's been bleeding. 12 years of this illness inside of her where she has internal bleeding. And even externally after a while. And here's what's significant about this. You look at the story. This woman says she came trembling up to him. She was scared. She was nervous. Why? In ancient Israel, if you had a sickness like this, like bleeding or leprosy, you were considered socially and ceremonially unclean. So instead of putting your mom or your dad in hospice, they were left to fend for themselves because if you touch them, it's unholy, it's dirty, it's nasty. So this woman for 12 years has a crippling illness and no one can pay attention to her because she's considered an outcast, she's dirty, she's nasty. And so here's her opportunity. For 12 years, she has been struggling with this illness. She's been struggling with this disease. And she sees this man named Jesus who's walking through the crowd. And the desperation kicks in where she goes, I am so sick of this this disease. I'm so sick of, of having to deal with this. I want to be healed in the worst possible way. So this is my perfect chance. I don't care who I got to squirm my way through. I don't care what I got to do. I am getting to Jesus because I'm sick and tired of this bondage and I don't care if I'm an outcast I'm ready what does she do when you've been sick for 12 years you probably don't have the most strength but I can imagine the will that this woman has she's weaving and cutting between people trying to get to Jesus and what does she do she gets just the very end of his tassel and she's healed instantly what a cool story. Here's my favorite part about the story. Jesus says, hey, who touched me? Touch you on a little secret. He's Jesus. He knows who touched her. Him. He knows who touched him. But he had to make a point. Everyone's saying, no, Jesus, of course someone touched you. There's a thousand people here. He goes, no, somebody touched me. I felt the power go off. Here comes the woman, trembling, bows down at his feet and says, yeah, it was me. It was me. Jesus had her come to his feet so he could look her in the eye and say, hey, <laughs> I see you. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You might think your sin separates you from God. 
and the things that you do over and over and over again, the things that you told God, God, I'm never going to do this again. I'm so done with this. And then one month later, one week later, one year later, you do it again. You think there's no way I can come back to God now. He looked her in the eyes and said, I see you and your faith has healed you. So go in peace. Your sin is not meant to keep you from God. Your sin should be a reminder of how awesome God is and how much he loves you. Because on this Mother's Day, how much you love your kids, God loved his kid a whole bunch. He sent him there so we wouldn't have to. He sent him down to the pits of hell with the weight of the sin on his shoulders so that we wouldn't have to. And instead, he wants us to live free and happy and fulfilled lives. When we put this series together months ago, this was the message I had in my mind because I believe there are so many people going back to the Impala who God's given you freedom. God's given you deliverance from your sin. He's forgiven you for things you can't forgive yourself for. And instead of living in that fulfillment, instead of living in that gift, we feel the weight and the guilt and the shame on our shoulders and it disqualifies us from what we feel God's called us to do. I can't lead a small group. I can't go to church. I can't live the life God's called me to live because I've got these things in my life. And he's saying, I know. Which is why I came. Which is why I've forgiven you so that you can be close with me. Today, as you walk out this door, I've been praying for this all week. We've been praying this for a month. I believe today is the day you walk out these doors and feel free. Not because you won't sin again, not because you won't make mistakes, but because you realize that your sin is taken care of again and again. So today, I think we could all, everyone in this room, empathize what it's like. When that woman got up from the ground after 12 years, after having Jesus look her in the eyes. Can you imagine the joy and the happiness she felt? We got the same invitation. I want to end with this, Romans chapter 6. I'm going to have Lydia put it up on the screen. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And here's the best part. The vision of the bridge church. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Jesus not only took your sin away, he also gave you the option to choose. Give you the choice to choose. Free will. Grace allows us to choose to not sin. 
the step three of breaking free from sin, we gotta try. When you acknowledge you have sin, and you confess it, try to live the life he's called you to live. Because he's behind you, before you, and beside you the whole way. You're gonna get it wrong. You're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna sin. If you come and you kneel down at his feet and say, God, I've messed up again. Would you forgive me? In that moment, he forgives you clean and clear. And he allows you to live out the life that is greater than you can imagine. You trust him and try to live it out. So this morning, would you pray with me? Because I believe today is the day that freedom is found for some of us. God, I believe there are people in this room who have been battling with something for years. Whether it's an addiction, whether it's a behavior, whether it's a pattern, there is something, God, that I believe someone's been struggling with and in the worst way possible, they want to shake it, they want to stop it, but it feels like this war is being lost. God, I pray that today. They would walk out knowing that the victory has been won in your name. God, today they walk out and say, you know what? No longer is this my master. No longer am I a slave to this, but I'm made new because of what Jesus did for me. I pray that today we would have that hope and that freedom. And God, I also believe that today there might be someone who needs to make it right with you. Someone who's never acknowledged that you are Lord, never acknowledged that you are God, but they want this freedom that you offer that you paid for. So God, for those that are feeling that they're struggling with sin and those who maybe have never known you, I pray, God, that the prayer is the same and it's simply this, Jesus, would you forgive us? Forgive us for the ways in which we fall into the side. And would you come into our life because we believe you are good and you are God. In that moment, Jesus, you're with us. So Jesus, today... Let us walk out of these doors with our head held high, knowing that you have given us a fresh start and the ability to go through with what you've called us to do. Be with us today, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we put our hands together for the Lord this morning? This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.